Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And Chris, there is a certain very large online shopping site, <laughs> Amazon, but it has made it really easy for me to, sh- to shop. Uh, I would say, Chris, it's too easy. For example, uh, this happened recently. I was reading an article, and the article mentioned a book. And I thought, well, that book sounds interesting. So I go to Amazon. I see the book, and with literally one click, I have purchased the book. And if whether, if I'm ordering a print book, it's at my house the next day. Usually, what happens? It's immediately on my Kindle, ready for me to read the ebook. And I can do all that. That it's really fast without ever taking the time to think. Do I really need another book? <laughs> I think I'm hearing echoes of your wife, Lynn. Uh, that's that's my, my wife. What? Another book? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's so it's too easy, huh? Yeah, and it's that it's it's this culture of instant gratification. It really caters to that for me. Am, Amazon has kind of taken that over. I mean, there's just a lot of times that we order and we receive it that day or the next day. It's just absolutely crazy, isn't it? Yes, it is. Of course, we're not talking, we're, we're going to hit a little bit on instant gratification today, but we're going to be talking about that temptation to just to rely on myself. I can do this instead of relying on God. Uh, joining Chris and I for this conversation is a good friend of ours, Dr. Brian Beyer. Brian, thank you for taking the time to podcast with us today. Great to be here with you guys. Brian wrote the uh, commentary that appears in Advanced Bible Study. He's been on the podcast with us before, and it always uh, adds so much to the conversation. So thank you, Brian. So this is our second session in the study on dealing with temptation. Uh, So we're going to be looking specifically at the temptations that Jesus faced um, in Matthew chapter 4. So we want to give you a little bit of of background for that so that we're we've got that established and then for the next uh this week and the next two weeks we'll be talking uh about the the temptations the specific temptations that jesus faced so if you're leading a group kind of face stay focused on how it's presented in the in in our resources because we're only going to look at one of the temptations today we'll look at the second one next week and the third one the third week but with this what we're going to do is we're going to unpack Jesus's encounter with with the devil, with Satan. But then we're going to go to Deuteronomy 6 for the next three weeks and look at the the passage that Jesus quoted from the Old Testament. We're going to look at that particular passage and what it teaches is also why Jesus even used that uh, to counter Satan. Uh, So that's going to be our process for the next few weeks. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. Can one of you guys set up the context before we actually jump into Matthew 4 for us? One of the things I remember when I read Matthew 4 is it immediately follows Matthew 3. Now, that's really not so profound, I suppose, really normally chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. But in this case, it is because the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are books that normally will flow like that, and they're not jumping around from one topic to another and saying, now, three years ago, this happened, but they're following right along. And it's significant to me that this temptation sequence to which the devil is a part Uh, comes right after what we would call a real high point at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He goes down to the Jordan River. Uh, John the Baptist baptizes him. Uh, And by doing that, Jesus really validates John's ministry. John had announced, hey, I'm I'm announcing the coming 
of the Messiah. And so the Messiah comes down and submits to baptism, not because Jesus needed forgiveness, but because he was putting his stamp of validation on John's ministry. But immediately after that, according to the Gospel of Matthew, there he goes into the wilderness to continue to prepare for this ministry God was about to uh, put on him for these three to four years. And he fasts and he prays. And at the end of that period of time, the tempter, Satan, the devil, comes to him. So it's important to note that not only does Jesus' baptism validate John the Baptist ministry, which is a great point, um, but it also, uh, the father speaks and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So there's a validation of Jesus and what's about to happen as well. So um, a lot of cool things going on there. It really is a high point. Um, then, then we get the season of, of, of fasting and temptation. So keep in mind, as we look at this temptation of Jesus, where we want to land with this is to understand for ourselves that God's provision is always better than what we try to get for ourselves. Let me begin reading in Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he'd fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Guys, let me be the devil's advocate for just a moment. What's Wait a minute, we're talking about temptation and you're being the devil's advocate? Yes. This is not a good sign. This is not going well, man. What, uh, the question is, okay, tell us, what's the big deal about this temptation? I mean, he hasn't eaten for 40 days. What's the harm in him creating bread out of these rocks? Good question. And many times that very issue is raised in commentaries. What really is the big deal? Why would it be wrong for Jesus to provide for himself. After all, he's God's son. He doesn't need help. So why seek it? Why Why not? And he has been fasting for a long time. So interesting, uh, in the Greek language, commentators have pointed out Greek was the, the language in which the New Testament was originally written. And Satan's words there, if you are the son of God, really have that connotation of sense since you are the Son of God, or if you are the Son of God, and of course we know you are, then tell these stones to become bread. And so he just puts it out there. Well, why don't you just do this? But Jesus sees a deeper issue here, and he's probably not trying to teach Satan, because Satan's not going to listen, but ultimately we're reading about it and we're learning. And he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says, man will not live by bread alone but by everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so Jesus, yes, at that point, is he hungry? Yes, but he's also making the point that there are things that are more important than food. Juan Sanchez, in what he wrote in the personal study guide content, he made this comment I thought was interesting too. He says, it's as if Satan was luring Jesus to wonder, will God really provide? I think... I'm looking at this from the human side of Jesus. I know what I would be like if I hadn't eaten for 40 days. You know, when you're hungry, I tend to be a little more vulnerable to things. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not at my best. 
you're grumpy. I've I've experienced this. When you're hungry, <laughs> you get testy. <laughs> Bang out of this one. But and, and that and I don't know. Is that true for you guys too? There's there's a vulnerability that comes if we're not energized with food. And I just can't help but to, to, Satan's kind of pulling at that. Come on, you are hungry. I think the idea of vulnerability um, is is significant for us when we think about temptation, uh, because it's it's when we're it's when we're tired, it's when we're hungry, it's when we've we're exhausted, it's when we've we've fully given ourselves to maybe some some of the things of God uh, when Satan can attack us and we're vulnerable. So I, I I think that we can learn from Jesus' experience about how Satan works when he attacks, I think all of those things are at play. And when we're weak uh, and vulnerable to the temptation is the quick fix. It's there in our culture. Lynn, you mentioned the one click and Amazon sends you that package. Yeah, (laughs) join you in that guilty, right? Uh, One click and there we are. And so in times of vulnerability, we want out of this, but can we get out of it quickly? Maybe. And so here's the quick fix that the enemy offers Jesus. And so as I raise the question, what was really at stake there for Jesus? What was the really big deal? I think we turn it back on ourselves when we're facing temptation. We need to ask ourselves, okay, what's really at stake here? If I give into this, what, what's going to happen? You know, kind of, I need to consider the consequences if I go down this road. What we see here is, I think it's just the idea that we're often tempted to satisfy God-given desires, food, uh, in this context, we often tempted to, to, to satisfy God-given desires, but do it in the wrong way. So that gets us in the whole realm of of, of sexual temptation um, that that's uh, so prevalent and what so many people struggle with and deal with. Uh, I think that um, it's imp- I think there are some several other things that are important uh, to say. First, uh, I would expect that in your groups as you're listening, those of you are listening who are leading groups, you will probably spend most of a little more time on the actual temptation than the other two sections of scripture we'll look at. Um, We also want to establish in this first segment, uh, the reality that Jesus was tempted, that he faced temptations. Uh, The writer of Hebrews in uh, Hebrews 2 and Hebrews 4, just makes it really clear that Jesus faced every temptation that we face. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of significance to that, uh, that, that sense that he identifies with us, that he sympathizes, he understands what it's like to be tempted. I think that some of those ideas may be new to some of the people in our groups or uh, maybe we didn't think about the implications of this for our lives. What do you think, guys? I remember one uh, occasion having a conversation with a group about this passage. And, you know, but he's Jesus. Yeah, I know he was tempted, but he wouldn't really give in because he was the son of God. But I think that when we when we think things like that, we discount the human side of Jesus that, again, he's hungry. He's, he's, he's vulnerable in that sense. Now, he didn't give in, 
but he was very human, just as he's fully human and fully God. And to discount the fact that, well, yeah, but he he really wouldn't give in because he's God. That discounts the humanity of who he is. One commentator I read put it this way, because an army cannot be defeated, does that mean it cannot be attacked? Does that mean that if it were attacked, it would not feel the weight of that attack? Now, maybe it was an invincible army. Maybe it was an army that would not be defeated, but it certainly could feel the impact of an attack. And even so, and of course, theologians debate this whole thing in the human nature of Jesus, the divine nature of Jesus, but it's, it's very clear from Scripture that he felt the weight of temptation, and yet he was able to overcome it. Uh, not only here in Matthew 4, but as you said, Chris, in Hebrews 2 and Hebrews 4. One thing that helped Jesus in this confrontation, uh, not just that he quoted Scripture to Satan, but I think there was a, a reaffirmation for him about, you know, I'm going to stand on God's Word. And what he quotes there is out of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let me take us there to chapter 8, and we're just going to, I'm going to, I want to begin reading in verse 2. Uh and the issue we want to pull out of here is this idea that we can't, uh, we can be tempted not to trust God's provision. But listen to what Moses said: Remember that the Lord your God led you out, led you on the entire journey these forty years in the wilderness, so that He might humble you and test you to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your ancestors had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothing did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Key word that jumps out at me in that passage, it's the word remember. God, Moses is just encouraging the people, remember what God has done for you. We're not, we shouldn't be tempted to doubt God's provision if we will only remember what he's done for us. And Lynn, that Hebrew word, Hebrew word remember so often carries with it the connotation of doing something about it. In other words, we're not just recalling a fact. Remember. And in accordance with that, live then. Remember that when you were going through the wilderness, sometimes you even got hungry. And you know what? The Lord let you get hungry. And through that hunger, you realized there are more important things than food. So remember when it happens again today or tomorrow or the next day. Remember that is the idea of remembering, but with sort of a call to action coming with it. I think that's a good point of dialogue in our groups. Uh, in fact, the question that appears in our personal study guides drives us that way. And I, why is remembering so important when facing temptation? It's valuable to remember. Now, there are three things that we can see that God was calling them to remember about God's provision. He says, you know, God provided the guidance. God provided food. God provided for their material needs. And just as he was faithful to the children of Israel um, to provide these things, he, he does the same for us. Uh, this is not just an ancient story. Uh, it's important for us to do the same, to, to recall, to think back, to see how God took care of us, how he met our needs, if he did it. And as he's done it for all of our lives, we can trust that he'll do that uh, into the future.
So let's move into verse six then, because we're going to see, we got to remember how God provides and he provides when we trust him and obey him. Verse six. So keep the commands of the Lord, your God, by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord, your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams, springs, and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, vines, figs, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without shortage, where you will lack nothing, a land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. When you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. I think we forget sometimes um, that the people that Moses is talking to here in Deuteronomy 8 are people who had never had wheat and barley and vines and figs. <laughs> they had lived on manna for all of their lives. Uh, th- this is the 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 people, the remnant that's going into um, the promised land um, were, were, were kids when uh, the rebellion took place or they were born in those years. So uh, it's significant that they're hearing about these, uh, these food items that they're getting ready to experience. You have to wonder what they would have thought going through the wilderness um, all that time and having a very, very steady diet, so to speak. You have those occasional, okay, I'm bringing you quail to eat, uh, things like that, so you can have meat, but you're going to eat it for a whole month uh, because you're grumbling. And judgmental kind of things that come, disciplinary action that God takes them. But you're right, Chris. I mean, generally for this audience, this generation, for almost 40 years, they've had a very steady diet that has not included all these wonderful things, and now God points them ahead to a land where they're going to know his blessing. But his call there, to, as he begins this section, he says, but keep the commands of the Lord your God. Walk in his ways and fear him. And it's like, you know, the Lord has provided for you for 40 years, and you're going to see how he abundantly provides for you as you move into the promised land. But in all that, you need to keep my commands walk in my ways and fear me that uh because it's easy when, when, when that prosperity hits us uh, it's easy for us to forgive god so gentlemen what are some issues that um folks in our in our groups uh will will face where uh, they are tempted to take care of things themselves whether it's an instant gratification thing or uh, just on, because of their own independence and their own um, ingenuity, where they may take care of things themselves on their own and neglect to look to God or to seek God's help or to seek his guidance in their lives? That's a really good question, Chris. And Sometimes I've wrestled with that in my own life because God has made me a planner. I can put together a plan. I can put together a plan for my week, for my month. I can help faculty. I served as an academic dean for many years, and I could help faculty do group processing. I could plan. I could look ahead to when we had to have that decision made, and I could work backwards from there and establish the schedule. And that's the way God wired me. And 
we need planners in this world. Uh, we need the people who can live for the moment and be spontaneous as well. And we kind of blend and, and make for a good, good uh, salad, I guess. But um, in the end, you need some planners. But the, the potential pitfall for me is that I can trust in my planning rather than in my God. And sometimes I have put together my agenda so carefully with the, with the talent that for planning that God gave me. And I've said, Lord, please bless my agenda today, by which I mean, please help me get all this done. And then something else happens and there's a knock at the door and the student says, do you have a minute? And I can tell by the way they say that word minute, they do not mean a minute. And 45 minutes later, that student walks out encouraged and with a new focus on life. And at the end of the day, I look at that list that I made at the beginning of the day, and I have to confess again, Lord, uh, I asked you to bless my agenda, and if necessary, please change it to accomplish your will. And you knew that I probably didn't mean it, but you did it anyway. <laughs> and as you did, I got accomplished everything that I really needed to and some other things that you knew needed to be on that docket. So that's a that's a temptation for me is just use the plan. Plan the work, work the plan. You can get it done. And sometimes that's just not the case, that God wants to show me something special if I'll just stop planning and listen for a moment. I can really relate to that, Brian. Um, those who have pastored in churches really don't want to hear this, but I'm really more of a task oriented person than people oriented. Um, and, and this part of what I love about my work with Lifeway through these Bible studies is Chris and I have these detailed production schedules. And I just, if I just, there's your planning list there, Brian, my list is right in front of me. And honestly, there's some times if I could just, I could do this in my sleep. I mean, it's just, I could just do it. Um, and I look at so many things in my life, even step outside my ministry that I can do without thinking about, well, well God, how do you want me to do this? Or how would you like me to approach this? That uh, there's always that challenge for me. I need to be dependent upon God, not just in that Lord, help me in this. I don't, I don't know what to do in this situation. But even in those situations where I think I know what to do, I need to rely on Him. Uh, those interruptions, uh, things, uh, constant interruptions. Uh, look at that as a divine moment from God, but I've got to learn to always trust Him. I would say, too, in our whole American culture, uh, it's easy for us to, to rely on ourselves. How many of us have really had to wonder, where in the world am I going to get food for lunch today? None of us. I mean, I say that. I know I know there are people that struggle with that, but so many of us as believers, we just go to the refrigerator, we go to the pantry, and we pull it out uh, without ever thinking about it. Our really truly saying, God, thank you that this is provided for me. Uh, I, I think about a passage in Hosea, Hosea 13, where God said, when I fed them, they became satisfied. And when they became satisfied, they, they forgot me. They became proud and then they forgot me. And I think that's a danger for so many of us as Christians is we begin to just rely on ourselves and forget to rely and, and, and thank him. And Lynn, it was right there in Deuteronomy 8, to right where you stopped reading. You talked about when you eat and are full, verse 10, you'll bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But verse 11, be careful, watch out, that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statutes, etc. When we get comfortable, it's so much easier to say, 
I did this. Look what I've accomplished. And we don't want to go there. Well, guys, this has been uh, great to have a chance just to talk about um, this session and about Jesus and the temptation that he faced, uh, this first temptation. Again, Lynn, you you alluded to the fact, and I want to again remind our, our listeners, keep in mind you're not dealing with all three of the temptations that we have. Uh, you pace yourself. Know that there's, there's more next week. Uh, but d- dig deep. Uh, dive deep, spend some time thinking about this before uh, your session. And uh, I hope that uh, as you, as you look at this, that this will, uh, that there will be a great conversation in your group about just how Jesus was tempted, how he responded, the importance of us remembering God's provision. And again, keep in mind the point, God's provision is always better. Uh, We, we lose sight of that sometimes, but uh, let's trust him that he's going to provide for us. Matthew 4 has always been a powerful passage to me because it shows how Jesus from the very beginning began to identify with us by identifying with us in our temptation. We've already talked about Hebrews chapter 4 and how the writer there says that he did that, but here's a very real example. Uh, one, two, three, and we spend this week and the next couple weeks covering those. But it shows how from the very beginning, Uh, Jesus faced these things, but to some extent, the gospel writers put that in there to show us he's on our side. He's identifying with us, and we can overcome temptation by his power. Thank you, Brian. And Brian, thank you for taking the time to, to meet with Chris and I today for this. Glad to be here. We hope you all have a good Bible study this week as, as you meet with your, uh, those in your group. So let me just leave us with this one thought. There is nothing he will hold back from us. This doesn't mean we won't experience times of lack. Sometimes God wants to teach us during those times. But God does provide all we need for life and godliness. Have a good study.